Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was talking about the struggle that the early church had. The early church struggled with the fact that the living God had provided salvation, not just for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. To the Jew first, certainly, but also for the Gentile, and that there was a real struggle in the church to unify the Jew with the Gentile. Now, there was a separation that had occurred. The Lord created this separation, first in Abraham, when he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. At that point, there was a division between those who were circumcised and those who were not circumcised. This division was further expanded when the law was given through Moses. Through the law of Moses, there was the Israelite and there was the non-Israelite. This division was necessary in order for God to address the problem that had surfaced when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. I was explaining this in the previous program, that one of the problems that resulted from the fall of humanity was that Adam and Eve decided that they would try to be as God created them to be through the knowledge of good and evil, through just by knowing what is right, knowing what is wrong, being properly informed, they would be able to live as God intended. And of course, that is not going to be the case. He created us in such a way that there is no way for us to function as he intended without him indwelling within us and without us being led and guided by him personally not by the law, not by the knowledge of good and evil, but being guided and led by him in a personal, intimate way, that that's how he made us. The Lord Jesus rose from the dead, and when he rose from the dead, he sent the Holy Spirit back to us as he promised. And on the day of Pentecost, those who believed in him, who trusted in him, were resurrected from the dead. And so the living God solved the problem of do we live according to the knowledge of good and evil or do we not? He solved the problem of the spiritual death of humanity by restoring the spirit of life to anyone who would be willing to receive it. And of course, no one was saved before this point. No one was resurrected before this point. During his ministry, he spoke about resurrection. He spoke about the Holy Spirit. He spoke about salvation a new beginning as a new creation where there is no Jew and there is no Gentile. Before Abraham, there was no Jew, there was no Gentile. Before Abraham, there was no circumcised, there was no uncircumcised. There was no such thing as these people. They were created for the purpose of answering these questions, of resolving these issues, of solving these problems. And once these questions were answered, these issues were dealt with and the problems were solved, Then he was able to reunite. In fact, through the solution, he reunited the Jew with the Gentile. But the early church struggled with this, struggled with this in a big way. This is why the Apostle Paul spent so much time in his letters addressing these issues, 
addressing the issues related to the Jew and the Gentile becoming one in Christ Jesus because people were still living in the separation. Now, what was it that separated the Jew and the Gentile? The one thing that really separated them was the law. Now, the Gentiles had their own form of law. They had laws for themselves. It's not as though they had the absence of law. That wasn't the case. It's just that the Jews referred to the law of Moses as being their law, as being their way of righteousness, as being their way of living, and the Gentiles did not. And this continued to be a separation between the two because the early church did not embrace the complete forgiveness of sins as Paul encouraged them to embrace the complete forgiveness of sins. So he wrote his letter to the Romans, and presently I am in Romans chapter 4, and I would like to start in verse 17 in this program. In Romans chapter 4, verse 17, it says, In the presence of him whom he believed, referring to Abraham, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. This is where I would like to start today. In the presence of him, in the presence of God, who Abraham believed, and in the presence of him right now, who we believe, he is the one who gives life to the dead. Now, we know that the problem between man and God, of course, is that man is dead and God is alive, and it's not possible for a dead person to have a relationship with a living person. If you have any question about this, if you're uncertain about this, Go and visit a graveyard and try to establish a relationship with the people who are there in the ground. It's not going to be a pleasant experience. They are dead. You are alive. So also, in a spiritual sense, you are dead to God, and he's the one who is alive. If there is going to be a relationship between your God and you, then someone is going to have to have a dramatic change in their life experience. And do you suppose that God is interested in being dead? No, absolutely not. You are the one who needs to be made alive, and that is what he has accomplished. He provided salvation for humanity to anyone who is willing to receive it. And when you receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit... You are made alive. Now, when you are made alive, you are not who you once were. You are no longer dead. You are now alive. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're something entirely different. Now, the Jew was the one who heard the gospel and was resurrected first. And then the Gentiles were resurrected afterwards, according to the history that we have available to us in the book of Acts. But I want you to see that the Jew had to be resurrected, that the Jew was dead, and they needed to be made alive. And when they were made alive, they were made into someone entirely different. They were no longer who they once were. They became dead to who they were before. They are alive to who they are now. Who they were before was someone who was under the law, and now they are someone who is alive. And by being made alive, they are effectively dead to the law. They have no part in the law, and the law has no part in their lives anymore. For the Gentile, the Gentile did not have the law, but they were just as dead. And when 
they were made alive through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, they were also made into a new person, into a new creation that was nothing like who they were once before. So those who had the law needed to be resurrected, and those who did not have the law needed to be resurrected. Those who were circumcised were dead. Those who were uncircumcised were dead. They were both dead. They were both under the law, either the law of Moses or their own form of law. I explained this in earlier programs, but my point is, is that when you are resurrected, you are no longer who you once were. You are now someone entirely different. You are now a child of God. And when the people who were in Jerusalem were first resurrected, when those first believers, those first children of God were born again and made children of God, when that first happened, they all became a new creation. They were once dead, they have now been made alive, and they are now a child of God. The Gentiles who were born again were then made into a new creation. They were children of God. And so the division of the two was gone. They were reunited and they were made into one person, into one kind of person. And we also know the collection of individual children of God are described as the body of Christ. And so I wanted to take a few minutes to review this. Because I really believe it's very easy, it's very easy to get lost in some of the individual verses of the scriptures and lose sight of the big picture. Going back up to verse 15, in Romans chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For the law brings about wrath. It brings about wrath because there's no way that you can possibly live in obedience to it. There's no way that you can obey all of the commandments. Certainly you may be able to do some, but not all of them. And so the end result will always be the same. The wrath of God. Punishment. That is what you're going to get. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, there is no longer any punishment, any wrath that can be executed against you because he took it all. Continuing in verse 15, but where there is no law, there also is no violation. And so technically, when you sin, there is no sin. Now, this isn't because God now lives in denial. It doesn't mean that he pretends that it doesn't exist. It means that there is no violation. There is no sin because there is no need to execute any judgment against you for the sin that you commit. He did that. He had to set us free. He had to do this so that we could receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would then reside within us permanently. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit would depart from within us. He did not do this in order to give us an excuse to continue in sin or to give us the means by which we could justify the commission of sin. He didn't do that. I did almost six hours of teaching on the subject of forgiveness and I explained this in detail. I would like to encourage you to listen to those programs if you have not heard them already. The purpose of Paul saying this is to show you that the law is done, that the law has had its work. It has fulfilled its purpose for those who are saved. When you pass from death into life, the law is dead to you. Now, for those who are not saved, the law is very much alive to them, and they should be encouraged to live in obedience to the law. On occasion, I get people who come to me or they contact me and they ask me, should I continue to live in obedience to the law? And I have to say, well, by all means, do it. But if you're going to do it, 
Be serious about it. Be really committed to it. Because if you have to ask me a question like that, then that tells me that it has not had its perfect work in your life. And you need to be more devoted, more committed to it, because it is alive. It is functional. It can be used today. Folks, let's use it. Let's put people under the law who really need to be put under the law and beat them with it as much as possible so that they will finally come to the end of themselves and realize how dead they really are, so they can be saved, because that is what it was given for. Now, going back to verse 17, it was given to show you your condition. At the end of verse 17, it says, Even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist, He gives life to us who are dead so that we can be made alive and made into a new creation. And what is this creation? It is something that never existed before. Not even Adam and Eve were like who we are now. They did have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and they lost the Holy Spirit. We were born into this world spiritually dead without the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling within us. And when we will surrender to the new covenant and receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit, then we are resurrected and we are made into a new creation who can never lose the Holy Spirit ever again because of the forgiveness that we have received. Adam and Eve did not have any sin within them when the Holy Spirit was indwelling within them. We, on the other hand, I think there's plenty of evidence to show that we've got lots of sin within us and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. The living God has resurrected us and he is growing us. He is maturing us. He is completing a work, which tells me that the work has not yet been completed. He is doing a work within us in the midst of our condition of having sin in our lives. He has to do that, otherwise he obviously would get nowhere with us. He is doing this In the context of making us into a new creation, he has made us into something that has never been. At the end of verse 17, it says, he calls into being that which does not exist. This did not exist before. The kind of person who we are never existed before. In verse 18, he says, in hope against hope, he believed, referring to Abraham, so that he might become a father of many nations. According to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. The father of many nations. Now, this new creation is a nation in and of itself. And you can also say throughout the course of history, there have been many nations that have come up, that have risen through the inspiration of people who believed in the faith of Abraham. Not all, but some were built under those premises. But there are people within every nation, people within every nation who have been born again since then. And so he has been the father of many nations, yes, but he's also been the father of many people who have been resurrected, who are a part of many nations. And the promise that was given to him in Genesis chapter 12, that in him all the families on the earth would be blessed, All the families on the earth have been blessed who have received the Lord Jesus, who is the fulfillment of the promise. He is the one who was promised to Abraham. He is the one who resurrects people, and it is only through him that anyone has ever been blessed. It is only through him that anyone 
will ever be blessed. All the families on the earth will be blessed. In verse 16, for this reason, this is Romans chapter 4, verse 16, for this reason it is by faith in order that it may be in accordance with grace so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, this was a struggle during the time of the early church, but it is still a struggle today. These same issues that existed back then still exist today. There are people today, for example, who believe that in order to get closer to God, they have to become more Jewish. Not everyone believes this, of course, but some people do. They believe, well, Jesus was a Jew and he was close to God. And so if I want to be close to God, I have to become more like a Jew. But no, this is not about being a Jew or a Gentile. It has nothing to do with trying to take a Gentile and making them more like a Jew. And it has nothing to do with taking a Jew and trying to make them more like a Gentile. There is a new creation, folks. There is a new covenant that has been established. And that is what both the Jew and the Gentile must enter into. Some people struggle with this same issue, but not necessarily in the context of wanting to become a good Jew, but instead under the context of wanting to embrace the law. Should we be under the law or should we not be under the law? Should we be observing all of the law or should we not be observing all of the law? Folks, that was the division that existed during the time of the Lord Jesus. That was the issue that caused so many struggles during the development of the early church. People were struggling with this question back then, and they are still struggling with this question right now. Should we be under the law or should we not be under the law? Folks, it has nothing to do with being under the law or not being under the law. You are dead to the law. The law is dead to you. It's over. If you have been resurrected, you are now a new creation and the law has no place in your life. If you are lost, it has every place in your life. But when you are saved, its purpose has been fulfilled. Now, I still read the law. I study the law. But I do so for other reasons, because he gave the law for many reasons. And we should use it for the reasons that our God gave it. But whatever you do, don't use it for a reason that he didn't give it for. And one of the things that people are struggling with is, do we try to find a way to use the law in our lives so that we can be more holy? so that we can be better Christians, so that we can be better people. No, folks, if you want to be a different person, if you want to be changed, then the only way that this is going to be accomplished is through the Lord, your God, changing you in the depths of your heart. And you don't use the law as a measurement or as a scale in some way in order to measure and determine how well you're doing. That's not the case. The measurement is only on the basis of to what degree do you know the Lord, not to what degree have you been able to get your flesh under control, but to what degree do you know your God? People struggle with this in various ways. If it's not the entire law, either we embrace it all or we embrace none. It has nothing to do with whether you embrace it all or you embrace none. That's the same problem of are we to be a Jew or are we to be a Gentile? And so what do people do? They ask, well, how about some of the laws? How about some of them? Certainly not all of them, but maybe we can find a few. You know, generally those ones that we don't struggle with so much. You know, the sins that we don't struggle with, let's embrace those laws 
and perfect those a little bit more in our lives and then maybe adopt a couple of others, you know, those laws that really affect us personally, people will embrace a partial law. But again, it creates the same problem, the same concern, and that is that people have not got in touch with the fact that they are a new creation in Christ Jesus that they are someone entirely different. You know, sometimes people contact me and they say things like, I am so amazed that I am speaking with a Jew who believes in Jesus. And I just can't help but say in reply, and I also am so amazed that I am speaking with a Gentile who believes in Jesus. And people think about that for a minute. Sometimes they have trouble with that. They wrestle with that a little bit. They don't realize that it has nothing to do with whether you are a Jew or a Gentile. Now, this is a struggle that I believe everyone should go through in their Christian life. You know, after I was saved, after I was resurrected, there was a period of time before the Lord worked with me on these issues and on these concerns. And I believe that everyone... Everyone who is born again should really have the opportunity to wrestle with these issues, to wrestle with the fact that they do not compare themselves with other people anymore, to wrestle with the fact that they do not try to pick and choose the way of life that suits them the best, that they should not be dealing with the issues of how do I now live, to make that transition from what should I be doing or what should I not be doing, to now enter into a new life of just simply living with what the Lord has given to us, living our lives discovering what He is about to reveal, and enjoying the revelation that He does share with us, and applying those revelations to our lives as we make decisions in our daily lives. This is a new experience for us all who are born again into the kingdom of God. And I do believe that everyone should take the time to wrestle with these issues and to enjoy the struggle to embrace the struggle and embrace the suffering because there is a lot of suffering that is there. And eventually a person should come to the point of discovering that they might have a lot of head knowledge, but they have no heart knowledge at all. That they might know the scriptures, but they don't know the person who wrote the scriptures. Because when a person comes to that point, it can really mean a lot to them to discover that there is a person and that he is the one who we are to know. When we try to pursue that too early in our Christian faith, sometimes it can be difficult to truly embrace him in the way that he wants us to embrace him. When we haven't really experienced the separation, the separation between us and him in conjunction with the desire to be united with him, the separation in conjunction with the desire to be united is an important struggle, and I really believe you should embrace it. Even Abraham struggled with the promise that God made to him. Even he struggled. If you read Romans chapter 4, verse 19, it says, Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith giving glory to God and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, Ishmael was a little bit of a waver, in my opinion. Here it says that he did not waver in faith at all. And from a certain point of view, 
I would agree. I would certainly agree that he still believed in the promise. He just thought that maybe it was going to be through Hagar and not Sarah, maybe. There was a temporary moment when he wavered just a little bit, in my opinion. But I believe that the reason why Paul put this in here is to show us that there was a foreshadowing in the deadness of Abraham, in the deadness of Sarah, that even though they were dead in that respect, the Lord brought life. He brought a form of resurrection. There is a foreshadowing, and there is a prophecy that is found hidden in here that shows us what he would eventually accomplish, that he would fulfill this prophetic inference by resurrecting everyone who would believe as Abraham believed. That the children would not just be of the flesh of Abraham, but the children would be of those who would believe the testimony of Abraham. That is the reality that we have now. And just as they were dead and life was brought to them, so also you were dead and life was brought to you. And you were resurrected through the free gift of the Holy Spirit, the restoration of the life of God that was lost in Adam. We waver. We have moments of struggle. Just as Abraham had a moment of struggle, just as Abraham wavered. But the living God does not hold those things against us. And so even though we may wrestle with these issues, even though we wrestle with should we be more like a Jew or should we be more like a Gentile or should we be under the law or not under the law, even though we wrestle with these issues and we struggle with these issues and there is a waiver of faith on occasion, he will never leave us just as he never left Abraham. He gave a promise to Abraham and he fulfilled it. We are the recipients of that promise. He will fulfill it. He has fulfilled it. And it will never, ever be revoked. You are secure. He has made a promise that depends on him, not on you. And so these moments that we experience in our growth and in our maturity are to be enjoyed. They are to be embraced. And we are to look forward to what he shows us and what he reveals to us in the midst of the struggles that we have in our lives. I believe that this is the life that he has called us to, and he uses this so that we may know who he is. And I will continue in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net